Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. All right, so today's episode is going to be uh, really interesting because you're going to have to follow with me the breadcrumbs. There's a lot of points that I want to hit. We're going to throw a very wide net to talk about different topics. Um, so I want to start with how I met you guys and, and then kind of what folded. And then it's like, it's like a movie where it's like, that I found some, some information and then there was this and there was that. So uh, I met Jenny at one of my miserable fucks retreats. And from there, I overheard because I'm... Uh, very creepy in my retreats and I listen to all 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 the retreaters. But I overheard that she had a um farm in K Town. And so it kind of seemed like an oxymoron. It's like, what step farm in K Town? And so I was looking for a place to throw my partner's birthday party. So I was very intrigued. Go there and it's a little oasis sandwiched in between two homes. The homes are owned by uh you and your partner. And this is another interesting piece of this story uh that you guys co-parents and so i just found it so fascinating that the houses are, are literally next door but with healthy space in this case a farm and then your child just kind of run from one house to the other which i was like oh you're trying to amazing and then through that project uh i learned that she also um i'm assuming you're co-founding yeah of this other project called rewilder Rewilder. Rewilder. And it's taking, um, I mean, quote unquote trash and turning them into, uh, turning it in, turning trash into uh, t shirts. I'm wearing one now, uh, bags and all sorts of stuff that, that I want to get into. And so those are kind of the events. But then, like macro, I saw it. What, what an interesting. What an interesting thing that you guys are doing because it's very mission driven. But also, uh, I, I know it, it just overlaps so many things that are current. Um, the flight you guys are waving, uh, purpose driven, uh, also like life design, all the stuff. So let me introduce you guys, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about it. Jennifer Silvers, she is a uh, I love this by the way, a master scavenger. Jenny is an architect turned sustainable designer with a passion for dumpster diving. Prior to Rewilder, she pioneered advanced materials and processes for complex architectural projects. A waste reduction expert, she now tackles the world's trash problem through a great design. She's an avid surfer, sailor, backpacker, and I'm going to say up and coming uh, motorcyclist. Up and coming. Up and coming. Hey, yes. Up and coming. Hey there. Uh, Stephanie Choi, CEO of Rewilder. Yeah, Stephanie is a problem solver with a passion for zero waste thinking. Zero waste thinking. Anyway, um, and practices that stem from her cultural upbringing as a first generation Chinese American with experience advising the world's biggest brands. She applies her background in science, research, marketing, and storytelling to convince everyone that trash is worth saving at Rewilder. 
She's found her purpose, bringing together her love of trash with her strength in storytelling to build a business with the power to leave a positive imprint on a planet and everyone on. Man, so inspiring. Thank you, Shami. Let's, let's start with this. Let's start with something that's, that's just very, um, and nothing, nothing to do with what I'm talking about today. We'll get to it is, uh, you running out of gas. <laughs> the amount of gas, it's bought the 43. The lady I brought it back that really brought me back to my teenage self on the way here. It's just like all of a sudden the car like, er, er, er. Oh. like what's happening in my car? I didn't even get to the place where, cause the car gives you some warnings now. It's a warning. Right. So, you know, you're below the heat, lights are going off. And there has to be something in you where you're just like, ah, oh, I can make this or I want to test this. And then, and then the car starts going hurt and then you're done. Well, interestingly, actually, I have a 16 year old son who's just learning how to drive. And the other day we were driving and the gas light came on and, you know, it says you have 40 miles. So you have to make gas. And I said to Phineas, I was like, should we test this? Like, do you want to know how far the key could actually go right now? And he was like, no, no, mom, I don't want to do that. But then I guess my gas light went on yesterday and I... Ignored it. You wait, hold on. You know what I love about that? It's usually the kid that would, yeah. the mom took me past this. And mom's like, no. Yeah. But I love that the mom said, hey, let's test this. Yeah, like, do you want an element? Yeah, do you want to do your fault? Oh, okay. And he was like, yo, I don't want to run out of gas. That's right. Well, you did test it today. Yeah, so I, I know today. But what I didn't get to um, understand is because when I got in my car to drive here, which was only thankfully four minutes from where I was parked on the side of the road, it and taking our last meeting from a like Zoom call in the car. Mm, yeah. So I did like a car Zoom call four minutes away. And then when I turned on the car to drive here, it just was like, way, no miles to go. Wow. So there we have it. Well, let's start with how you guys met. And uh, if you don't know, there's an object on the desk. It looks kind of like a sex toy slash. <laughs> Jenny has never seen this, but I talk about it. Yes. <laughs> yes. What is that? Oh, how wonderful. You brought that? It did. Oh, it's like an hours. When we met, she told me, I have this invention. I have this invention that I was working that you were like, I'm trying to tie your out. Yeah. Because I do have a background in science too. But so this is a microscopic camera that can zoom in like crazy amounts apparently. And I wanted to build this thing that could figure out what fiber composition a piece of clothing was. And the reason that fiber composition is important to us now in the work that we do is when you're thinking of end of life of these t-shirts that we're upcycling, we want to make sure that they're all 100% cotton or 100% poly if possible. So that at the end of the life of the t-shirt you're wearing now, actually all of them, yeah. all three of us are wearing comeback tees. But at the end of the life of that t-shirt, we want to make sure it's recyclable. Wow. So this is an important step for us. Actually, we just paid almost $4,000 water in a real legit one of those and, and, and how did you build this just to- no this is just like a dummy like i was trying to figure oh, it out right. and then i abandoned it once i met jenny so in february of 2018 is when i got this and we we're trying to figure it out because my my family is in like the garment industry and in the textile industry so they told me like the reason why we can't do anything with our clothes after we wear them is because of all the blends oh. so the first thing to figure out is always what's in it and then what can you do to separate them mm-hmm. stephanie is well ahead of the curve in fact, I think Rewilder is pretty ahead of the curve. We're just sort of now coming into our... Yeah. How did you guys meet and how did Rewilder become? Uh, I gave a talk at a, something called Creative Mornings, mm-hmm. which is uh, like back pre-COVID, people would gather and talk about sort of creative things. And I gave a talk there and stuff was in the audience and she came up to me afterwards. Oh, nice. 
Yeah, so that was in June or July of 2018. And I was working on this from February. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened I just approached. I was like, oh, you're kind of doing what I'm trying to do already with waste. Like oh. Trying to figure out something with the end right. of life for all of these like products that we have. And what are we, what made you interested in that mission that I want to recycle t-shirt or zero waste with clothing? Uh, I think because, so I basically grew up in my parents' factory. Yeah. So they had one, like a small one in Alhambra, California. And I used to run around in the factory and there would be these mounds of rags that were scraps from the cutting room floor. Mm -hmm. And then I would be running around playing at them with the other kids in the factory and then they would just disappear one day. Mm -hmm. So I think that that always like made an imprint on me. Like what happened to my playground? That like all this stuff really, it's like, it fills the size of this garage. So what... Where did it go? Why is that? No, is that why is that trash? Basically, mm -hmm. I was like, and when that, we were a little kid, and you're thinking like that, you're like, what is all this stuff going to? Like, what's happening with it? Yeah. So I think that always just stuck with me. That made me always think about this, even throughout my. And, and why did you start this? What was it in you that made you uh, the? Better I have the drive for the drive for this. Well, I think also like Stephanie, it started as a kid. Like I always. When I say I have a passion for dumpster diving, like all of my right, not yeah. after hungry. No, it's more of a curiosity of what. Well, it's like treasure and valuable materials that are there. So when I was a kid, I used to ride my bike to the local tile store, mm -hmm. like fitted my bike with this little cart, so I could like literally dig through their trash, pick out bits of tile, oh. and then I would bring them home and make shit that my parents wanted to throw away. Yeah, <laughs> it's also interesting how um, um, you know our stories. Like when we meet and then you and then you hear someone's story, it kind of makes sense, like how things lined up. And then now you guys have joined forces. So you guys met, and then this was you said 2018. Yeah, that was in I mean, Stephanie and I met at like the perfect time. Like you know when things are just kismet. Like the woman that I founded or Wilds are with, Lisa, who's actually now back part of our team, mm -hmm. but she was transitioning out of the company. Mm -hmm. Mostly because of money reasons. We weren't making enough money and she needed a job and she was having a kid and yeah. or she had a kid. And anyway, she was transitioning out and there was and then and Stephanie came in and really like bolstered me in a way that I needed because mm -hmm. I'm not the kind of person that likes to work alone. And and then especially during COVID, I think, I mean, I would have closed her welder if you weren't there by my side, like really like saying this is worth this is worth it. Hello. Right. So the thing was going down. Yeah. She, and she kind of came Just in. It, I mean, it is, uh, this is something we talk about a lot, but it's, it's really hard. Sure. We do like emotionally, it's physically hard, which I like, like that part I like, the dumpster diving part, like the lifting heavy thing, the physical part, I love all of that. Um, Hence you and Sarah going on an adventure hike, I feel it. <laughs> but the emotional part, it's up and down. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all business and startups and entrepreneurship. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, wanted to share with you something I'm super excited about. If you go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium, you not only get commercial-free episodes, but also something I'm introducing called series, rotating wellness topics, but not only lessons, but what do we do with this information? How do we thread this into our life so we could change our life? Go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium. Yeah. 
So after it is something I do say, like this was I love doing this as a kid and now I do the same thing as an adult, but just on a massive scale. So I'm like still digging other people's dumpsters. I'm still gathering their trash, still like doing that same thing, just a lot bigger. That little cart has turned into like a you know, a truck. Yeah, when I want to say something that's really important. So there's a purity in this. Um, I talk a lot about um self-evident being more about in the end than anything else, meaning that uh uh, as we grow up and, and pay taxes and stuff, we kind of disconnect to the spirit of who we were. And so you, like you said, I'm doing the same shit I was doing as a kid, you know, it might be bigger, but the spirit of the kid in you that was dumpster diving or out of curiosity is still there. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I used to take those rags from the factory that were like in a huge mound and have, I'd cut shapes out of them and then I'd give them to my mom to sew them on blank t-shirts and I just let them. Oh, wow. So that was already... It's already a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Steph had a really interesting conversation with her mom when she came as part of Rewilder and we started talking about having a factory and like scaling this up, which I thought I know I'll let you do yeah. on it. So I asked my mom, I was like, Mom, would you be disappointed in me if I opened a factory, like a clothing factory mm -hmm. with trash, obviously, but a factory nonetheless, because she, I saw her like year over year toil for like decades, right? Yeah. In this environment. And she was like, she thought about it for a second. I think her first instinct might've been like, maybe, but then she paused and was like, you know, the reason why I told was actually because I wanted to give you the choice. And if this is what you want to do, then why would I mm. be disappointed in that? Mm. So you're doing it in a new way, but it's the most important thing is that you're choosing to do this. You weren't forced to in the way that like an immigrant is. So she actually like, she didn't care that I was like, oh, I had an office job for many years. Yeah. It's like, I get to sit in the comfort of AC at a desk and, you know, do that whole thing. And she was like, you know, I did this to give you a choice. So I oh, thought that was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. The power and choice. So because you're choosing to do it, uh, even though it's kind of her world, uh, it for her that would that's okay because you're choosing to, not because you have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, you guys met, and uh, you the the plane backed up in the air, and it seems like you're focusing more on um, um, right now B and B, right? So talk a little bit about the company and what you guys are doing today, and also like, so where do you see this company going? Like, what's in the next five years? You want to take that one? So CEO, I'm just going to have a is your official title to another question. So I think a lot of the traction we're getting now is these partnerships with businesses because we always knew that businesses have the scale of waste. Mm -hmm. So we can make the most diversion impact, which is the most important thing to us. It's like factories are pumping out so much trash. So are companies. So the partners that we work with, they tend to come to us. They bring like, hey, we have this stuff that we don't want to go to waste. Mm -hmm. Like, what can we do with it? And a lot of, sometimes they just want to like give it to us and, you know, hands-free, that's it. And we figure it out, but we try to actually build a model where we're like convincing them like, hey, it, yes, it's trash to you right now until it's in our hands. Yeah, Let us transform this for you, upcycle it into something and give it back to you. And now all of a sudden we've created value out of nothing. Mm. So then you distribute it and you tell the story and we'll be your partners in doing all of this together. So that's really what we've been working on right now. And by the way, it's not just t-shirts. No, it's, it's also lots of industrial trash. And I think the important thing about what Stephanie's saying there is that we're asking those companies to take responsibility for their trash too. Mm -hmm. And they have these huge platforms for distribution, so it makes it a lot easier on us. So the, the stuff that we do that's direct to consumer is like when we find materials that we just 
love so much that we want to design with. So that's like the airbags, the seatbelts. There's this beer filter cloth, which was actually like the seed of that. Be- our, this entire company was was grown from one material that right. came from Miller Coors. Um, and, and it's like, do you want to see it? This yeah. gorgeous material. Um, so as a, Wait, what are you guys doing with seatbelts? Using them as like... Oh, I have my backpack and I use them for straps. Yeah, oh, so cool. Yeah, so this is... Um, so that's a filter cloth. They use it for filtering hops and barley and Miller Coors. They throw away two tons of that fabric every three days. Oh my gosh. And then these are stuff from... Those are rock kind of, Yeah. Heroes. That's so cool. Yeah, so so the direct-to-consumer stuff is more like the materials that we're super inspired by. We feel like they're completely transformative. Like, you have no idea what those materials are, really, once yeah. you work with them. Right. The partnerships with the, the B2B partnerships is really about subversion. Also design, always, right? Like, if you're not designing something cool, then what's the point? Yeah, ours, right. Right. And I'm sure uh, people have said this to you guys. It reminds me of that the, the Japanese plate. Kintsugi. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like, um, because I'm wearing a shirt now, and I feel like there's more meaning to this because it has been restructured or recycled. Yeah. Uh, also, there's there is more. There's a story behind it. Yeah. So it's not just off the rack and fresh. And also with that bag. Yeah. You know. So when you're wearing something like this, uh, the other piece is that you kind of feel proud of yourself that you're doing something good. You know, it's like recycling. It's like, uh, yeah. uh, you know, it's one shirt that's less wasted. Yeah, I mean, that's the best compliment that we get in our business. The thing that I love to hear the most is like, I made this decision to buy this bag or wear this shirt. And that that thoughtful decision has sort of snowballed into other thoughtful decisions. So now I'm going to carry a reusable water bottle. Oh, Or I right, you know, take my right. bag to the store and not get wasted. Yeah, I mean, it's just every little thing counts. Every step counts, right? Like we, we talk about that all the time because of the emotional lift of doing this. It's like sometimes we look at each other and we're just like, What's the next steps? <laughs> this is hard. What's the next step? This is hard. What's the next step? One one thing at a time. I do think you hit on something though that like a lot of our customers actually do feel some sort of pride when they put something on, and I think that's really important because it's really hard to get that from like consumption and yes. products nowadays. So it, it is something that we strive in our like storytelling, the way our designs come together, the way we just talk about it and like put our messaging on everything. This is an older style, but we actually put our messaging on every product we put out now for that reason. I love it. What, um, so what is Dest? What is Dest Because, Or what's kind of the, you know, what's on the vision board? I mean, right now we are really growing these partnerships in a meaningful way, which is super exciting we have a partnership with goodwill on the t-shirts we have a partner partnership with an out-of-home billboard company that we're connecting with goodwill we're working on a really heartwarming project for junior achievement to teach kids about upcycling nice it's like so there are the it feels like right now in our business there's so much potential there's like people are paying attention to this now yeah i mean, I mean you like in the 80s it's right. you had nothing to like laugh at so even when I started nine years ago, yeah, people were not super interested in this. And then we had COVID and we had quarantine and the skies were clear and, you know, everything was quiet for a bit. I think people had time to think. And now it like the climate crisis. I, I feel like it's gotten worse. Like we've, we've come back. We're in a yeah. um, we were very hopeful right out of COVID. And then now it's like, oh, everyone's just grinding back into the their places as before, which is kind of sad. Which was to be expected. Yeah, a little I was bit. Hopeful. I was hopeful. I was hopeful too. I mean, we're hopeful. Yeah. Right? You have to be hopeful to be in this business. Oh yeah, absolutely. You have to be optimistic. Really, like 
or or you're just gonna you're gonna default downward and yeah. discouragement. I mean, every business yeah. is like that. So, do you guys see yourself um, after the B and B um, going into retail or going into consumers? It always just gonna be B and B, and they're allowing the B the businesses kind of like distribute. Yeah, I think ideally it's it's B two B, and then ideally we would have like a really inspiring space where people can come and learn about upcycling. Mm-hmm. So we'll keep that direct to consumer part of our business going because it's really fun for us to do that kind of material research and development. Those projects also become seeds for our B two B projects. Like, oh, we developed a really cool bag, and Lisa is amazing at that. And then now we get to like show this. It's like, oh, it's desirable to consumers because we sell it D to C. And now we can take it to any company and be like, people want this. Like, how do we make this your own with your materials? That's like the thought leadership part. Yeah. Like proving what's possible. Right. I wonder if, um, you know, the tipping point is when it becomes big enough where if you're not wearing something, uh, what's it called? Up. Of what's like a little, yeah, that you almost feel guilty, you know. No, no, I don't know how to do that. My my background is in marketing, I had worked in ad agencies over the years, and we always strive to not do negative feelings, yeah, because it's just like for us, it's like a cop out. It's like you don't want to make people feel bad if God doing something, you want to like empower people to feel better for doing something. Always better to do it that way. So, I've always pulled us away from like the negative aspect yeah. i think yeah I mean, so we thought about that as a benchmark like how do you make this upcycled t-shirt be the benchmark for quality and for sustainability and for like what's the word i'm looking for like thoughtful like if you're a thoughtful artist and you're putting merchandise right, out into the world how do we make this t-shirt the benchmark for that no, no, no. And we've also talked about like, we'll never put a rewilder branded shirt on our website for sale because we're like, we want to be there to facilitate other people that want to do that. It's like, if you want to make a t-shirt, we want to facilitate to make the best t-shirt that you can. But we're not going to do that because we're like, that's not our role in as a company. Yeah, yeah. It's like, we want to be thought leaders. We want to facilitate other people, whether it's an artist or influencer or like whoever, but just making it possible for you guys to access something that is like the best for the planet. I love that. You want to build it. Build it. That's yeah. great. I love that. Yeah. We're hacking away. We're building it out. We're clearing the foundation. Excellent. Yeah, we definitely, we had this conversation actually with, uh, we're doing a case study project at Boston University and we had this exact conversation about building a new marketplace rather than entering the one that it already exists. Because there's a lot of issues with that one. As yeah, we, we can't compete in there, right? Like we're not trying to make a $5 t-shirt. Right, right. Yeah. We're, we're not trying to make a $5 t-shirt because what we're seeing is that all of our costs or most of our costs are in the labor. Mm-hmm. So if you value the humans that are making these things, then you're not paying $5 for it. Right, of course. And then if you're paying $5 for it, you're not actually paying for it. Money is made on exploitation, right? Yeah. It's like, and it's easier to exploit people than a crop because crops have set prices. Mm-hmm. So just along like the clothing value chain, it's like, oh, where can you squeeze? It's all of the people that are doing it. Yeah, it's not the continent salt, it's the farmers. Right. It's not the di- like dye, it's the people doing the work. So. That's why our prices are higher than you expect as a normal t-shirt. Yeah, sure. But then it also tells me that if I'm wearing this shirt, then um, when even when it comes to, to labor and stuff, uh, people weren't taken advantage of. Definitely. So not just the product that's recycled, but also how the product was made. <laughs> it's a it's a big, it's a, it's a, it's big, I think. Um, I'm going to put a bookmark there. And also, I want to talk about um, Little City Farm because that's also mission-driven, right? Yeah. It's not just a farm in K-Town. Uh, what is it and what are we doing? 
What's the mission behind that? So yeah, Little City Farm is really a heart project. So it started, um, I mean, it grew. What, what's happening recently, I'm going to go forward and then I'll jump back. But what's happening recently is that Little City Farm and Edward Wilder are converging in a really beautiful way, mm. which is so lovely for me. But when I started Little City Farm, it was really to live in line just more with my values. Like, can I grow food for my family? Can we have chickens? You know, it's sort of like that dream that everyone has. And I'm very fortunate to have this piece of property that had this old tennis court on it. Um, and so in March of 2020, we ripped off the concrete and the soil was like dead as dead, right? Like gray and pallid. And it was literally like, oh, this is not gonna work. That was my first, my first reaction was like, we're not gonna be able to grow things here. This looks awful. Um, but it was a year of planting clover for nitrogen and like regenerating the soil, which by the way, I had no knowledge of any of this before I started. So I had help from Farmer Ben and he basically taught me everything that I know now about planting. But now it's like this incredible space where people come together and in community and be inspired and like see what's possible. And Steph and I have started having events there for Rewilder specifically around sustainability. And then we have dinners like you and Vanessa yeah. did. It's becoming almost like a little community center of Spanish family events and other people's um just using the space as psychiatric people. Yeah, which is really exciting. So all of a sudden, I would say probably like six months ago, all of a sudden it like snapped into place for me as that. As like, oh, this is a place to connect people together in a shared mission because everybody cares about sustainability that comes there and all the events that we do, we prioritize zero waste. And that's hard with events. I mean, it's the same, it's some of the same issues we deal with with production in general, mm -hmm. right? Like it's hard at an event to not make any waste, but we compost on site, we sort of have a list of things, like, right? Like no balloons, no styrofoam. And when I first concepted that list, all of the people that I was working with, including Angus, my partner, and Jessica, who does the planning there, they were like, you can't tell people they can't bring balloons. And it was kind of like the same thing with Rewilds. They're like, well, we're building it. We get to make the rules. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna say you can't bring balloons. Yeah, you can't bring single-use plastics. Like you can't bring in plastic water bottles. Well, because what you're, uh Promoting is an entire lifestyle. Yes. It's a way of life. And yes. um, it's not just use my space. Uh, let's read it differently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's her. But then hearing you talk, I was like, wow, you literally rewilded the land. Because when you yes. opened up mm -hmm. the tennis court, everything was gray and disgusting. And then it yeah. was transformed yes. into something that like now can nurture, which is really exciting. It nurtures something for the future, right? And I didn't know, like, I had never seen something grow from a seed to a fruit, really. You know, I didn't know how a carrot looked when you pulled it out of the ground. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, I had gone to like picking berries at farms and stuff, but mm -hmm. I just find it completely astounding that like this tiny little watermelon seed, you put it in the ground mm -hmm. and then there's a plant and then there's a fruit and then it's a big, like a fruit bigger than my head. Yeah. And I could eat it. And then there's a hundred seeds inside of there right. that I can plant again. You know, I see as a therapist, I was with someone who runs retreats and then does, you know, various things. I see people like that as seeds. Yeah. You know, I see us as seeds. I see our collision and then how that turned into um, a party that connected other people. And then that turned into now a podcast and but was listening to this. And so like, there's, you know, a hundred seeds yeah. in this episode. You know, we talk about seeds too. We talk about seeds of ideas, yeah, products seeding 
concepts, seating markets, uh-huh. like these t-shirts. I was like, we just need to put them out there. It's like, yeah, it's, we spent a whole year trying to figure out how much it costs to bring it down so yeah. people will buy it. I think we just need to put it out. But I love that concept. And I think that's something I feel really connected to now too. The idea of seating. Seats, yes. Um, yeah. Collisions. That, that, that has always been powerful for me with people, uh, not just in a therapy room, but how people collide, their stories collide. And then uh, through that collision, two people, uh, there's an exchange. They're different because of that, you know? And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting to um, see something like, uh, take something like nature or watermelons and uh, almost as a metaphor for life in humans. Who are Absolutely. You know, you know what else you rewilded? Rewildable? Re- mm-hmm. Uh, 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 re- yeah, everyone else is whole self. Yes, and also, um, I could be wrong, but it seems like you rewilded your relationship. Meaning you were married. I'm trying. Well, you're, you're still in process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you were married. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you guys now divorced or in separation? We're in like the very final stages of the paperwork. Right. So, yeah. Um, but living in different homes. Yeah. So now co-parenting. Yes. And uh, what I mean by rewilding is uh, establishing a new relationship with a, a person. Absolutely. And that is a process of transformation and growth for sure. And actually rewilder was part of the reason it's interesting, you know, you have such different perspectives on relationships, I guess everything, everyone has different perspectives, but but Angus, my ex and my partner, we have such different perspectives on the, um, the like our split. So for me, it's this personal, is that okay? <laughs> for me, I'm like, no, nothing personal on this show. For me, I feel like he fell in love with someone else. Yes, yes. But for him, Rewilder was a big part of our slit because he felt like I was putting in this time and energy into something that that oh, yeah. we, Rewilder was. Your, well, that was your mistress. He, he, he compares those two things. I yeah. directly. Oh, he's so interesting. Um, but so, yeah. can I ask you this? Speaking personal. Um, what are some revelations and insights about relationships and marriage in general now coming out the other side? Um, I'm sure it shook things up for you, no? Yeah, oh, for sure. So For sure. And for a long time, I felt very wronged. Like, yes. I felt very victimized, right? Like, here's something. Here's someone who did something to me. Um, I, I'm working really hard to not feel that anymore. And we're past that, really. I mean, we've been full separated for three years. Was it, were we talking about Dylan? Uh, just the whole thing. Just the whole thing. Well, yeah. it, it wasn't like a, I mean, it wasn't, we're not a traditional people. Yeah. So it was never like a traditional situation. Oh, okay. But, um, but yeah, instability or cheating yeah. or whatever you call it or, yeah. um, but let's see, revelation. What's the new template of the relationship, uh, for you these days? Because it's a, it's a hot topic, uh, as far as the structure of, you know, like monogamy is being questioned. There's all these new forms. Yeah. There's a lot of customization happening in my mm-hmm. and uh, relationships. It's one of those things that um, we really trace an old blueprint from parents and generations. And it's kind of like the last poster that hasn't been ripped, ripped down, I think, until now it's starting to. Yeah. I don't know where you live, it works. But I feel like the concept of like a nuclear family and monogamy, like mm-hmm. two parents, two kids, that's very much like a Western yeah. sort of yeah. construct, right? Because like we did, like I'm Chinese American. We grew up with a village mm-hmm. that was like, that's an import right. from China, Hong Kong, where everyone's very close 
And like, we brought a little bit of that with us for our relationship. So I was actually born here, but my sister was born in Hong Kong. Oh, very good. But it's like the type of like concept of like, oh, having your family close. My sister lives five minutes from my mom. Yeah. I live 12 minutes from there. So it's like, it's very different when they're very isolated. Like here's two parents that have to love and support each other and be each other's everything. And they're two children. Uh, Yeah. I don't think we were meant uh, to do it like isolation. I think we were meant to do it. In villages and collectively, kids being passed around. No, the, you know, and of course, with that also comes you know drama and wherever. But I, I, I think there's something about um, even like I live on a cul-de-sac, and what I love about this is that our neighbors, we're all friends, so we. It's awesome. My kid goes over there, and and reminds me of your situation where she's running from house to house, and there's yeah. this, and um, the quality of life is just better. Than, yeah. You know, I wonder if that's a new model. I grew up like that too on a cold south actually. Like, yeah. I would just, I would just go. Yeah, you just read, yeah. Because you, there's go. no ours, you feel safe. Yeah. I'm just going over people's houses. I, it must be part of it just cultural. I don't think it's really, because you're right. Here it is like the picket fence, the 2.2, you know, um, kids. Uh, but uh, we don't have the mindset of um, communal, village. Um, it, it, there's a lot of eyes in our senses. Yeah, it's an individual. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I had that same dream actually for, I was like, my sister and my brother will all be on a cul-de-sac mm-hmm. so we'll just live and run around together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think someone is going to create some kind of commune that isn't, um, cult-related and that will, uh, somehow be a template for something like this. And that doesn't necessarily demand like sex between yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think people get really uncomfortable with right, that. Right. <laughs> but, but that, I mean, the, the whole cult sex thing, it's always been that and then it stains it. Um, but I definitely am at this point in my relationship where I'm dreaming of like, what is a relationship? What's another relationship where I could bring in like more people to our family? And Angus is now in another relationship where he's sort of bringing in other people to our family. And like, the, I don't know if that's idealistic. Like I said, I am sort of radically optimistic to do this work at all. What would that, you- that's like across all of, I guess, my whole life. But but I I'm like just recently started to dream of that like. Yeah, uh, kind of blended family. I think is the term. <clears throat> so, would you um, would you say that you're monogamous now, or no? You're uh, you're open. You're what are you practicing, or you don't know? You're torn. Um, no, I know. Uh, well, I'm definitely not monogamous, yeah. but I'm also not like polyamorous. Yeah. So, I think my ideal partner is someone who is like emotionally connected to me, and we can explore creatively together, and that mm-hmm. extends to sex and all things. But you're not limited to one. You're saying. One person to sleep with? Yeah. No. No. But, um, but I've never been like that. I just, right. I feel, I feel like that's a sort of creative expression. And I would like to have a partner that I could do that with. Yeah, no, I, it's all interesting. Um, you know, me being 50 now, uh, in my 20s, uh, you know, this idea of having an open relationship was like, of course, like possession, jealousy. That's, you know, what's the point? That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But now, even like what you're saying, um, we're on this time for a very short period of time. And I feel like at 50, I'm like, yeah, I mean, we connect to people all the time. And why does it have to be, I hadn't practiced open, you know, uh, my partner and I are currently monogamous, but I could actually see why people are drawn to that or, um, wanting to explore because, um, it's not so much of like, it's not so much about just getting laid. It's just being open to. Um, connection and expression without, uh, without, you know, offense, yeah. Rigidity. Yeah.
What are your thoughts on relationships? Or are you, that doesn't mean that you like want to talk. Oh, no, no. Thoughts on relationships. Well, I got married, but two years ago. Oh, I know that. Um, the day between my husband and I's birthdays. So, because we we're two days apart, so I got married. Yeah. And I always say, well, people say men are trash, but I am upcycling. So, that does a great job with her husband. Um, are you a sad thing? I'm not. Adding value. Adding value. Value, I would say. Oh, nice. Hope he doesn't get mad at me. But you say that to him. I didn't say that to him. You know, I, you know, I, I think uh, it could happen both ways. I mean, I like the term of upcycling where two people come and they create something greater than yeah. parts. I, yeah. I was talking about that. And so to me, that's upcycling. I actually had a really interesting conversation with my husband yesterday where I was like, look, I feel like, you know, we've dated, we were together for six years. Mm-hmm. We are together for six years. And we both kind of entrenched our like roles and personalities. Like I'm kind of bossy and dominant and I'm the one that like tells them what to do or do like says what to, we should do. I'm the CEO. Yes. Oh, the household or whatever. Oh, the relationship. But I said, I was like, actually what I want to do now, we're in a new phase where I want to empower you to do the same. I want you to be a manager now. And I want to step down from this role yeah. because if we just continue on for, I don't know, 20, 30 years where we're both the same and become more entrenched yeah. in this relationship, that we're not becoming better people. We're just becoming more like stony versions of ourselves. Yes. I love that. I used to have like every six months or so, I would make Angus switch sides of the bed with me. In my head, I would be like, okay, it's time to switch side. And he'd be like, what? This is my side of the bed. And like, I just, we just say this. What did that do just by um, sleeping on the other side of the bed? I wonder if that does to you. We've, we I haven't done that. So. I'm doing it emotionally. Okay. I'm like, you be the CEO now. I will be the employee. You tell me what to do. I to teach you the skills to be the manager. I think in relationships, uh, also in friendships, when we wear a certain hat for too long, it creates uh, tracks of a relationship, a dynamic. And a lot of times, um, people, it stunts growth, but I think people can sometimes feel trapped, claustrophobic. Uh, also, it doesn't allow people to grow, you know, and you're just on this one single track. And so to upcycle, whether we're switching uh, bed positions or uh, sexual positions, or it doesn't matter what you're doing, but constantly switching things up where uh, it's challenging you and forcing something that's and stagnant, I think, you know. But there is actually real science to that. My sister's a neuroscientist and she talks about that, like the neural pathways. They get locked oh, in and entrenched. Yeah. They get entrenched. And with patterns of routine. Yeah, absolutely. patterns and routine, thought patterns and routine. So if you think, you think negatively or you think, oh, this person is wrong in me, this person is wrong in me. I mean, for years, I've about the same thought, like in my head over and over and over again, I need to see in work, I to like jump that bad. So we only root to reroute that thought. Then it's also important you miss us. Yeah. Right? Because we hit walls every day. And I am. I mean, I think having that sort of mentality where I have that type of person where I'm like reassessing, like, oh, I don't like where this is becoming too set in our ways. I'm not seeing growth there. So just being able to like apply that in any aspect of life, whether business or relationships, it's just like switching it up. It's really important. It helps us solve problems. That is the same thing we learn into. Like as you're speaking, I'm thinking about how we're like chopping up the plants at the end of the season and putting them back into the earth and then that actually grows something new. Yeah. If you were to take something away from this episode, uh, what would be the biggest takeaway? So for you, Jenna, what would be the biggest takeaway? What's the theme? What's the uh, the thread? I'm, I'm going to go with transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like 
all of our work is rooted in transformation from a design perspective, but then also, like I was talking about in the garden, it's, you can actually see it, right? In the work that Steph and I do in her wilds, or you can literally see the transformation. We track it from trash to design process, something new. There's like this, this process that happens that leads to total transformation. What about you, Steffi? I think for me, it's everything that's worth having in this life needs nurturing. I think for me, when I think about what you guys are doing, turning trash into, I don't want to say gold, that's not the word, but turning trash into uh, stories, turning trash, because when I think of trash, it's like unwanted, discarded, it's waste. It's kind of, it runs through the process of the whole sand with pearls. Mm. I don't know how true that is, but you know, for donate, taking something then discarded and uh, of no value, and then going through your gifts, um, what comes out is something now that has significant value and also is more like from snowball to snowflake. It, 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 like that's the thing about these shirts, right? They're all like unique, and that every time you get to make them, the patchy's different. They're from different shirts. Um, and so that to me, uh, it's, it's, it's a very beautiful process, but also when you apply that to our own stories, meaning, um, if trash was trauma, so we all have story and we've all been through things, you know, whether it's trauma, bully, divorce, whatever, uh, I love that those trash was trauma. That's like trauma, that's like trash, right? We can look at it that way, but then through our story, turning that into helping other people turning into grow, you know, so that like there's a human process also to what you guys are doing and yeah. I'm connecting those dots in this episode. Like this is something that you hide away shamefully in your bin, you have the garbage truck come at night sort yeah. of thing and then we're actually challenging you to look at it head on and be like, bring yes. it to the light. Bring it to the light. See that yeah. you can do something about it and make it beautiful again. And then wear it, meaning own it. Yeah. Embrace it, right? Stop or be out chapters. Yeah, and be proud of it. Yeah. It makes you feel something when you wear it too. As you move through life, really. Yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful process. That was really beautifully said. What you guys are doing here is very tied to life. I think that's why we've, I found my purpose doing this. Yeah. All right. Where can we find you? At Rewilder goes on Instagram and Rewilder.com on the web. And uh, if we're near Sherry K Town and want to have a party, who do we call? Oh, <laughs> littlecityfarmla.com. Yeah. I'm the only one that answers those emails. Oh, and Jessica. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all up there, too. Or Little City Farm, uh, Little City Farm LA on Instagram. Yeah. Um, thank you for all the work you guys are doing this world. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's very inspirational. Wow. That was really fun. Thank you for listening. Be well.